0: Into every generation there is a chosen one. Uh, excuse me, two. One girl in all the world. Two two girls? Who is this guy? She is. This might have been a big miss stake. Stake. S-T-A-K-E, like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. everybody, welcome to a new episode of Big Mistake. I'm Melissa. Hi everybody. I'm Aditi, and today we're here to talk about season two, episode five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Reptile Boy. Yes, yes, it uh, answers the lifelong question: Would you love me if I were still a worm? <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so Aditi, would you still love me if I was a worm? My friend, I would kiss you if you were a worm. I would kiss you if you were an eel. <laughs> Any sort of tube-like creature. <laughs> I would kiss you if you were a rigatoni, uh, a bucatini. <laughs> I would kiss you if you were a buccal fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would kiss you if you were a sour straw. Oh, yeah. I would I would actually be very into kissing a sour straw right now. <laughs> right about now. I told my friend that that is Melissa's preferred way to ingest white wine, which is through a little sour straw. to get a little treat afterwards yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean they're called straws and (laughs) i don't want to kill a turtle every time i enjoy a sip of white wine every time you have a sip of white wine through a sour straw you're an environmentalist you're an eco warrior yeah i'm on the front lines of the (laughs) war on our planet you, Greta, Bono, I think. Is Bono into the snow. I can't tell. Or is he still upset about malaria? I I mean- Get you a man, you can do both. Yeah, you can care about more than one issue at a time. That's true. Not all of us are single issue voters. <laughs> it's not Mono, it's Bono. <laughs> oh, that was really good. Thank you. All right. I guess we should talk about this episode, probably tied with Teacher's Pet as my least favorite episode of the entire show. Twas, twas a dud for me. Yeah, twas a dud. Let's give you guys an episode summary really fast. Beauty and the Beast. Buffy and Cordelia become unlikely party pals when at a fraternity bash, they are offered as human sacrifices to Makita, a horrible half-man, half-snake creature. I think that it served a purpose because it reminded me of season one because there was like a monster of the week. It, you know, moved along the Angel-Buffy storyline, which is moving at a glacial pace. But I also will say, I think it is moving at the pace that I perceive it to be so slow, because TV shows back in the 90s and early 2000s were much, much longer. Mm -hmm. You know, especially prestige television is like 8 to 12 episodes, like really tight. So the slow burn is relatively novel in the TV that is being made now, but, you know, obviously far more obvious in the 90s and also... She's a teenager, so. I did think there was some good Buffy Angel drama in this episode. This episode, just like Teacher's Pet, was written by David Greenwald. It is incredible that he wrote two of my least (laughs) favorite episodes. And I never really got super into Angel, but from the research I've done for this, I've gathered that he was a, a pretty large influence on the show. He wrote a lot of the episodes. He directed some of them. And I think he is sort of the voice of some of the characters on that show. So it is no surprise that I didn't get super into Angel. This might be a conversation for another time, but if we make it that far (laughs) when they do the (laughs) spin-off, we can perhaps do like special secret episodes for Angel or something. Yeah, yeah. That is not surprising that he also wrote Teacher's Pet. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Maybe for the monster lovers, the monster heads, the monster mash, they like these episodes. Eh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, much like with Teacher's Pet, I feel like they were trying to talk about some pretty heavy themes and they were doing it very clumsily. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there is something to be said about a group of white men with riches and power and status yeah. beyond, like, beyond most people's. Wild Imaginings and how it comes because of the sacrifice of women or any sort of marginalized population. But I don't think they're saying anything in particular about that in this episode, really. Yeah, um, the tone was really funky because the tone was ominous for the fact that there was a monster and not because on-campus sexual assault is prevalent. So, yeah. You know, I was like, "Huh, it could be it, it it's an interesting choice you took there. Considering all of the like touches of ominous or nefarious behavior, it felt really tonally strange to like have so many elements where there were threatening these girls or like the just horrible way they treated Sander and like all of the all of the like social ills that are found in Greek life and on campus." you know, like a lot of on- on-campus sexual slot, as I mentioned earlier. So it was just kind of funky. Yeah, I do think there was so much real darkness that was drawn upon in this episode that was juxtaposed in a really clunky way with, you know, like Snake Monster, Cordelia, all sorts of that just don't go together trying to be mashed up in one episode that doesn't really have a great message, except like, frats suck. Yeah. And I think this episode made me terrified to go to a frat party. Did you ever go to a frat party in college? I avoided them for a long time because this episode has always made me so grossed out. Yeah. My roommate in college used to go to these frat parties that were thrown by one particular frat and I was (laughs) always like "Mm." don't go in the basement. Yeah one of these days but I eventually went with her and it was just (laughs) a bunch of dumb guys drinking beer in a very (laughs) dirty place on like a ripped up couch I like snuck in I was ready to fight I was like I'm not going to accept any drinks I know what's going on in the basement don't look at me don't speak to me and then it was just like some idiot 19 year old who like gave me finger guns and stumbled away and I was like really? her? (laughs) Well, in a convoluted way, maybe this story scared you straight, you know? Maybe it was the after-school special you didn't know you watched. It really was. <laughs> I was terrified of all frat houses. Yeah, with, with good reason. They're yeah. pretty unilaterally disgusting. So, you know, where Melissa and I went to university, the Greek life was really expansive, right? They had the traditional fraternities that had been around. Since the 1800s, they had uh, like ethnic specific uh, fraternities, they had like honors fraternities, service fraternities. So there was like a really large spectrum, but the classical, you know, 1800s, all white fraternities are, they're they're pretty frightening, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So this episode, not for us. Not (laughs) for us. I would prefer another cheerleading episode, honestly. I would have preferred more time with the monster and less time with the white monsters, Tom and his friend. Yeah, agreed. Tom and his friend, <laughs> Richard Anderson, aka the name of the actor who plays MacGyver. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> Slay or name. One area where this episode did not disappoint, was the fashions, in my opinion. They were sleighs. So many sleighs, some wild nays, never a dull moment. <laughs> <laughs> For Buffy, I oh. have three separate entries. The first I called the frat boy hypnotism outfit, <laughs> which is um, these giraffe-patterned pants <laughs> You love a patterned pant. No, my I I haven't said whether it's a slayer. Anymore. Oh, oh! I guess you were hypnotized by the pant. No, the frat boys were. They pulled up <laughs> in their car and they were like, "My God, who is she? What <laughs> safari did she come from?" <laughs> so she had the giraffe pants. They're paired with a lace top that's sort of see-through it's a Mm -hmm. light colored top and she's wearing a very dark bra with it and you can definitely see right through it and it didn't make any sense to me but then Mm -hmm. when she was sitting outside and she had the sunglasses and the chunky sandals with it I was like you know what I accept it (laughs) so not only did it hypnotize you but it took you on a journey it did it took me on a journey to the Serengeti (laughs) to to a Victoria's Secret Uh uh-huh to Adelias. To Adelias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, what the kids wear now? Yes. Would they? Is that what the kids wear now? I feel like, uh, like the character from White Lotus, Portia. I feel like it's all mm. just so much thrown together. There's a there's a desire for maximalism, which I can appreciate aesthetically, not all the time. But they just they just throw it all on. See what sticks. Yeah, but I just I guess all of it stuck. All of it stuck, but not in a good way. Life in the Serengeti. It's wild. It truly is. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say nay, potentially slay outside, but overall nay. Okay. Then Uh I have the second Buffy outfit where Cordelia comes to beg her to go to the (laughs) the frat party. And she tries to butter her up with compliments. And she said, your hair, well... I can't be dishonest with you. The hair is a little... Well, that really isn't the point. And Cordelia is not wrong. She's doing something different with her hair there. And it is a little... mm, Man. Excellent nay call out by Cordelia. Her comedic chops, they're so good. I, I laugh out loud more with her... Jokes. I think I laugh out loud with her the most, and then I probably laugh as well with Willow's like wry observations, mm-hmm. and then probably Xander. Buffy is not as funny, which is fine. Not every girl has to be just us, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that Cordelia, she's she's got some zingers, and like she's she's consistently good, and she doesn't lie either. No, she she doesn't. <laughs> she's always right. Yeah, it's like when Jack Donaghy tells Liz, you know, your hair is okay that's exactly what it was that's exactly how you look <laughs> <laughs> and then finally the dress that she wears to the frat party i said oh that was my a god it i mean that was gorgeous she looked so good i i wish i could have worn that then now in the future and with the little barrette so cute she's so cute oh, i loved it i agree For Willow, Mm. she had this one outfit where it was like a pink cardigan with a green collar and green piping. And she had straight leg jeans with little flower appliques on them and little flower earrings. And like, yes, it looks a little bit like a (laughs) Halloween costume, but I thought it was very cute. Yes. And I like that she doesn't have to wear, you know, dowdy, like oversized stuff all the time. She's got a little bit of flair. The flair is not great all the time but it is flair (laughs) yes she too is throwing everything at herself and seeing what sticks you know what we're all finding ourselves truly some of us in high school some of us at a later age some of us on like an (laughs) eco-tourism national park in kenya some in the 1960s (laughs) so you know how the dudes who did the pickup artist stuff, that book. You know how they called, like, getting one piece of flair, like, peacocking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think that giraffing is a thing? Do you think she was trying to do something with her giraffe pants? Maybe. What is giraffing? What do you... <laughs> what was she... What was her goal? <laughs> Elongating her neck. <laughs> I don't know. I'll think about that. Look at those two long necks she got underneath <laughs> her torso. <laughs> People have always said, legs are like necks. <laughs> Some people are saying that. Yeah, legs are the necks of the ankles. <laughs> <laughs> you know how your neck has, like, that hinge joint? <laughs> why, why did that make me laugh? I don't know, bud. But it's so important to be your own best audience. <laughs> Believe in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, my dad always said, be your own best friend. I'm going to amend that. Be your own best audience. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) It's not hard when no one is your audience. (laughs) Sold out, night after night after night. (laughs) Okay, moving on to the (laughs) third funniest person in the show, Xander. (laughs) I have to say, my son, my difficult son... He has really done an egregious nay this episode. <laughs> he has an oversized lime green button down, and then darker green baggy plaid pants on the bottom half. You, you—I would think for a second you would appreciate the boldness. I don't. <laughs> See, in my mind, I feel like you like plaid, you like green, you like a patterned pant. So, like maybe on some level, you would appreciate that. I just it it has all of the potential in the world, and yet he fails. Like this episode. Yeah, much like this episode. <laughs> all right, what do you have for Slayer Nay? Honestly, I was just bedazzled by Buffy's third dress. I think that, of course, Cordelia navigates between looking like a hot teen and a hot step mom she really she really knows her style and her brand she looks great the the awful boys are in their 90s regalia at the party mm-hmm. so you know i think that you hit on the big ones for me but it was either high sleigh high nay and the sleighs were mostly the women as, as it tends to be <laughs> yes Is it cute? What do you think? Is it cute? Let's let's first decide who we will be uh, referencing, and is it cute? Because I think that we should obviously talk about Tom, talk about Richard Anderson, mm-hmm. talk about Machi- Machida, 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 Excuse me. Talk about Makita and you know, throw in a little Angel for for old times' sake. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why shouldn't we? Why Why shouldn't we? I will say that uh, Tom. I just think not cute. No, sorry. I think Richard Anderson not cute. Personality horrendous. Mm-hmm. Face. It could take take it or leave it, but the personality really destroys it for me. Tom, unfortunately, I will say is cute. Mm-hmm. It is. It is what it is. He got me. He's not like other frat boys. He's not like other frat boys. He has three diamonds carved into his torso. <laughs> <laughs> like the world's worst troll doll. I, yes. <laughs> Tom, unfortunately, is cute. You know, he would he would have maybe you know, in in another world where he wasn't complicit in you know literal murder. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tom is cute. The worm. What did you think of the worm? I knew you were going to ask me what <laughs> I thought of the worm. Would you kiss? I don't know if I would kiss the worm. Oh, by the way, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> We've escalated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We've yeah. Escalated from is this cute to would you kiss? <laughs> so, I think I want to say about a year and a half ago, maybe, yeah. I, probably during the hiatus, yeah. Melissa started sending me pictures of animals and she would caption it would you kiss or YWK. And what we have learned is that Melissa's taste is more expansive than mine, she's far more open minded. I just want to kiss every animal. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really do. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm pretty, I'm pretty superficial. Like, if it's cute, I'll kiss. But if it's not cute, I would not. And Aditi won't even kiss something if it's ugly cute. Like, would you kiss an orangutan? Of course i kiss an orangutan. I have two eyes and a heart. Oh, okay. Well, I have been proven wrong. <laughs> proven wrong by the proven wrong prover. <laughs> No, like I she she will kiss like deep sea creatures. Like I feel like you would kiss an anglerfish. I mean like I'm just very <laughs> drawn to the glowing orb. <laughs> you wouldn't want to swim up and give that little glowing orb a little smooch. Just little. I I don't I don't want that near me, <laughs> but uh, I respect that for you. So Yeah, would you kiss is a really fun game because you get to learn a lot about your friend and You know, sometimes you learn that they would kiss a hyena and then die. Or they would kiss any sort of terrifying 500-year-old deep-sea creature. Not any kind. I do have standards. Okay, what wouldn't you kiss? Let's see, what wouldn't I kiss? (laughs) Well, I would not kiss Makita. Oh. I think that's a line I must draw in the sand. Although. (laughs) You must worm in the sand. (laughs) I don't think it's cute. It's cute. That he supports Greek life. Yeah. To be honest. Not cute. I'm not into Greek life. He has like weird little ridges going down his Mm. lower worm half. And I'm not into that. (laughs) I think they tried to make it look like it was intentional, but you can just tell it's like, it's the necessity of the costume that causes Mm. those ridges. And it sort of takes you out of the moment. I don't want to kiss a man in a costume. Counterpoint. Would you kiss... Heidi Klum is a worm. I would kiss Heidi Klum as a worm, yes. No hesitation. Didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was she was incredible. It was an incredible, incredible costume. Did you see the video of her dancing to back that ass up? Of course I did. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I would kiss. Would a, does a worm have an ass with which to back? Oh. I mean it must excrete from somewhere. Yeah, would you kiss is my favorite game because it's a game and a learning adventure. Anyway, I would not kiss Makita. Yeah. Although I did find some things kind of interesting about him. Some things were enjoyable. When they did the full body shots, it really took me out of the scene because (laughs) he just he looked very silly and kind of stupid. But when they were more when the shot was closer in I really enjoyed how he was sort of like swooping and there was like a very smooth swoop motion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that a lot. I like when he raised his snake arms and he had little webbed snake armpits. I thought that was actually (laughs) very funny and cute. Wow. Yeah. I think that you would kiss way more reptiles than I would. Not that uh, worms are reptiles, but I just think like... I think that's definitely a difference between us. Mm-hmm. You would kiss a lot more amphibians. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty mammalian-based, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. am not bound by any sort of <laughs> whether something has hair, feathers, <laughs> scales. i kiss it all, baby. She's Polly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. I I didn't necessarily think he was cute. But I did think the swooping and the armpits were fun. Okay. And I must ask, Angel, is it cute? You know, this episode, I'm going to have to say not cute. Okay. Normally, I think physically Angel is very cute. But this episode, he wasn't doing it for me. He seemed very easily manipulated in this episode. He lets Willow bully him into some casual pedophilia. But just when he shows up at the graveyard for the first time this episode, Buffy is going about her business. And then all of a sudden, a voice from the shadows booms (laughs) out with the message, there's blood on it. Yeah. And like, that doesn't do it for me. I think it's weird and creepy and gross. Yeah, I mean, face, always cute. Cute till the end of time, which I guess he will live to see. Very cute. Personality and behavior, like, y'all just, just like, Pick something. Just do something. I'm very bored now. Come on. Mm-hmm. Keep it keep it going. I think that uh, you know, teaming up to go save the girlies was cute, I guess. I'm just getting a little bored. I'm getting a little bored. I hope that things move quicker. I, I hope that something happens, whether or not they go on their age mishmashed coffee date or not. I think there was a very satisfying conversation with them this episode. I really enjoyed their back and forth at the graveyard once he stopped talking about blood so much (laughs) yeah he's not good at flirting no and he's had a long time to practice that's true that's true (laughs) he could have read the pickup artist so many times by now you know what's funny in this episode i feel like cordelia is kind of a backwards pickup artist (laughs) yeah she does love to neg. She loves to neg. She has all these tips about laughing and eye contact to mm-hmm. manipulate the male psyche. Mm-hmm. She doesn't speak about blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast about that book, The Pickup Artist, and I've not read it, but apparently the way with which they classify normal human behavior as something like special or something like something new, like apparently like looking into someone's eyes is like soul matching Ugh. versus that's just like being a polite person in conversation. What a, what a weird, what a weird time. So you remember they had that reality show on VH1, The Pickup Artist? Bet your ass I did. So when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons in college, my very first GM was a contestant on that VH1 reality TV show because they filmed it in Austin. And we just had to tap out like we couldn't watch it. Yeah. With him on the show. Was it too real? It was so uncomfortable. And so I met him just after his stint on the show but before the show aired. So he'd gone through the whole process they'd filmed everything and he used to wear like one of the episodes they took them for a peacock makeover and they bought them all these new clothes and stuff like that. So he used to show up in parties and stuff in that outfit that VH1 got for him and you know like he had just learned all of this stuff. He was a very very nice guy. He should not have been around those people. No, they probably corrupted him. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Did you know that the copy of the book is like a leather bound book to make it look more prestigious than it is? <laughs> of course it is. The book is peacocking. <laughs> it's a giraffe and baby. It's 100% giraffe leather. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. Hello to the young, the wealthy, the future finance bros of America. True rise and grind professionals like yourselves know that the only true path to success in this country is to wake up at 5 a.m., hustle like you don't have a trust fund, and sacrifice at least one woman annually to a snake or snake-like creature. But what if there was a simpler way? In the interest of your return on investment, we have an offer that you simply cannot refuse. We here at Big Mistake have partnered with CEO and certified disruptor Elizabeth Holmes to simplify your path to becoming a Six Sigma business bitch. Instead of sacrificing an entire human, you can get the same results by simply offering one tiny nanotainer's worth of blood as tribute to whatever worm god you choose to venerate. Simply Venmo us $15,000 as a gesture of good faith, go to your nearest underground dungeon, and chant our special discount hymn. Skeranos. To begin your ritual. Soon, you'll be able to afford a boat to go with those shoes. Alright, so, I gotta say, this episode is not off to a strong start. No! After they defended the homeland in the last episode, they thought, let's make fun of Hindi movies. Yeah, I think in the last episode, (laughs) there was like a general ignorance in terms of like being respectful towards other cultures, but at least when they decided like, hey, I'm going to explicitly make a joke here, Mm -hmm. they made sure not to write any this culture is weird ha 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 type bits. Mm -hmm. So I had forgotten about this part and it Mm -hmm. was kind of surprising that they would lean so hard into that in this next episode. Yeah. And, you know, uh, okay. I I don't know what to do with it. Like, Hindi movies, if you don't speak Hindi or don't understand Bollywood culture or don't understand that they were influenced by 1920s, 30s, 40s musicals does seem silly, but okay. Right. (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, It was also funny because, like, I, I think Ghost World came out probably, like, around this time or, like, a couple of years after. And do you remember like the Ghost World girlies? Like they loved Hindi movies. I just think it's like funny how the same thing is used in like a point of humor about the exotic nature of this type of film versus like the Ghost World girlies just like like the movie. Oh, I love Ghost World. Ghost World is great. Of course you were Ghost World girlie. Steve Buscemi, we love you. Come on the pod. We are fellow youths. We're not. They can't see us. They don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, okay. It wasn't like uh, the worst thing I've ever seen, but I was like, I don't really get it. Yeah, all right. Basically, the takeaway from that scene is that there's sort of a lull in demonic activity. Then we cut to a girl jumping out the window. There's monks chasing her. The monks are wearing belts made of like the kind of rope you would see on boats in cartoons. I thought that was very funny. (laughs) These frat boys are supposed to be so rich and they're using literal cartoon (laughs) rope as belts. Okay. They're cosplaying poverty. Exactly. Don't cosplay poverty. God. Richard Anderson. (laughs) Your name is Richard. There's the word rich in it. Can't argue with that. It's not Roperd Anderson. (laughs) So we realize that in this instance, the creature causing all of the hullabaloo is in fact a human and not a demon. dun dun dun. We go to school. Cordelia is studying her reverse pickup artistry. <laughs> giving a lot of enthusiastic laughter. And she's a uh, soul mirroring. She's soul mirroring. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, she looks like a teacher. She was wearing that very <laughs> mature outfit yeah. and she was trying to teach her friend how to be, I don't know, a good fraternity date or whatever and it really looked like a teacher giving a student (laughs) advice on how to get plowed by a frat boy. Maybe it was a subtle teacher's pet reference. Man, teachers need to stop petting. (laughs) 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 So she's soul mirroring. She's giraffin'. She's living. (laughs) She's giraffing. (laughs) Willow and Buffy are talking about dating and Willow is giving her dating advice which makes it very clear she has never been in a relationship before but she's very <laughs> earnest and she wants her friend to be happy. Yeah. Just then we see Buffy having trouble balancing slaying and a social life. A lot of very paternal energy from Giles in this episode. Yeah, Daddy Giles does not want girls to have fun and by girls his girl. I mean, I enjoyed giles this episode he got to do some comedic stuff that we haven't really seen from him before which i thought was very entertaining yeah no i i think like all great fights no one is wrong she does need to be on her toes and train because she's the only one who can and also she is a 16 year old 17 year old girl who wants to have a normal life so The conflict is very legitimate. Yeah. And I like that they show Giles feeling a little bit guilty about it, even in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's clear that even though he's hard on her, he still cares about her a great deal. So I like seeing their relationship be multifaceted like that. Yeah. So in a fit of rebellion, Buffy dawdles outside and we see Cordelia being the desperate, thirsty one for once. For once. Drooling over these frat guys. But even her desperation is strangely confident because she is she is like having machinations and scheming in her desperation to like achieve a goal for herself instead of just like pining for a dude, which I think is very on brand. You know, to quote you, she gets off her ass and works. She, she has a goal. She wants it. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think like, obviously... They're so different in so many ways, but that's why Cordelia, like wanting something, and Xander, like it's just different because, like, there's like this passive pining and this ex- like expectation. And mm-hmm. Cordelia has that expectation, but she's like, I'm gonna get it. Right, exactly. Yes, she does get off her ass and fucking worked. Yeah. Which is me quoting Kim Kardashian, I believe. That's true. But in my eyes, it's from you. I mean, <laughs> we're so alike in so many ways. <laughs> If you're Kim, does that make me Chris, your manager? You know I know nothing about the Kardashians. You're the one who told me that Chloe was half-murderer. <laughs> That's true. A legend, a legend. <laughs> That's true. Melissa once texted, can you explain why everyone hates Tristan Thompson? And I don't remember why. Yeah, it's okay. I feel like um, the Real Housewives universe, cinematic universe, and the Kardashian cinematic universe there's not as much overlap as you think they would. Yeah, it's it's too much, too much content. It's too much filth, to be honest. Yeah. So Buffy is dragged into this black hole of frat boys. I enjoyed seeing Xander and Willow sort of being the Greek chorus. Mm-hmm. Willow more than Xander. Willow's wry observations, as you mentioned earlier, really brightened up this episode for me. Buffy goes patrolling. She finds bracelet. She hears a voice from the shadow say, there's blood on it. I can smell it. Mm -hmm. Then they have a very melodramatic conversation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which culminates in (laughs) Buffy saying, when you kiss me, I want to die. And I did love that. (laughs) Yeah, they're both pretty dumb. I really love someone saying without a trace of irony, when you kiss me, I want to die. And then full speed sprinting into the woods with no clear destination she's going through it and he has been going through it what it is he going through i don't know i'm a dude like, <laughs> living... <laughs> like like i i think i think also my general uh not irritation is not the right word but my general fed upness maybe with angel right now is like i've been living with him in this like morose pre-dating stage with Buffy since summer 2020 so I'm like okay man let's go but obviously that's because of the pace of how we've been watching but I'm like okay come on let's go it's interesting because I think you have a higher tolerance for like Victorian old-timey British yearning (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's such a fucking read oh that's so embarrassing for me yes Follow several Jane Austen fan accounts on Instagram. Leave (laughs) me alone. I didn't even know or say that. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I really do. Man, that's a stake through my heart. Stake through the heart. I have struck a nerve. You have struck a stake. Wow. Well, I feel like this is my version of the Victorian yearning romance. Like, I enjoy the yearning, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy, when you kiss me, I want to die. That really speaks (laughs) to the Dresden Dolls Tim Burton (laughs) Hot Topic kid in me. Man, you know, together we make one embarrassing person. (laughs) Yeah, we really do. (laughs) So, Buffy agrees to go to the frat party. Mm -hmm. Then we realize... Something is afoot with this frat because it flashes to them doing weird monk rituals in the dungeon they happen to have. Yes. Lots of talk about blood. Everyone talks about blood in this episode. (laughs) So much blood talk I have in my notes. This is just trying to give us like a, a television version of Skull and Bones movie with the monks and like all of the secret society vibes. But it's just not, I don't know. They have the the girl from the beginning of the show who's running through the woods, Callie, chained up in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And normally in this show I feel like everything looks kind of fake, but the way they have her looking disheveled and dirty tied up there looks kind of real. Yeah. It just goes back to what we were talking about earlier how the vibes are like incredibly disjointed and there's so much like yeah real darkness paired with their goofy monk robes with the cartoon rope yeah it seems yeah. very incongruous to me that these two things are together yeah and, and i think like it's somewhat analogous to the dichotomy of true crime right like This idea that things have to be this like lurid, fascinating, extremely grotesque thing when oftentimes violence is just really, really banal and really common. And it's, it's not a stranger, but someone, you know, you know, that, that narrative. And so I think the show kind of picks up on the like tensions of like, they're trying to make this thing seem violent and ominous because they are in this ritual with this worm, but frats are just violent and ominous because of how they exist with impunity. Is it with or without impunity? I think it's with impunity. Yeah, with impunity. Impunity there, yeah. means exemption from punishment or freedom from the injurious consequences of an action. Yeah, these frats exist with impunity because of how well-connected they are and how their families are donors and how connections, wealth, and history exempt you from consequences. So I don't know. I just think like the tonal nature of the episode is kind of odd in that way. Yeah. I mean, it is commonplace and it is real to have these frats taking advantage of their stature and their privilege on college campuses and to have that placed next to this worm. Yeah. You don't need the worm for them to be bad. They can do bad all by themselves. Yeah, exactly. You don't need the worm. You don't need the monk robes and the cartoon yeah. robe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we went to college, there was a fraternity that was so horrific in its allegations of sexual assault and racism that they got kicked out of their fraternal order and they became a Christian organization. So they were still able to have their parties, have their space off campus, et cetera, et cetera, but just exist in a different way. It's just disgusting. Yeah, I was terrified to go there. I was terrified to go everywhere. Good, good. <laughs> Stay home with me. Let's talk about blood. (laughs) Buffy decides to go to the sacrifice party with the worm. Mm -hmm. And she lies to Giles. She lies to dad. She lies to dad. And Willow is just beside herself. She says, you know, there's drinking. There's bad people. It's dangerous. Willow is me when I went to college. (laughs) I was like, that sounds like baby Melissa. (laughs) did you ever go to any frat parties yeah but I think that we've talked a lot about the uh sexual like horrors but another key part of all of this is like the incredible overt racism mm-hmm. because of the way I look definitely did not go to any of the big ones because this is not this is not a hot commodity and I don't mean that in any other way but just not being white so uh, I will tell you the Jewish frats were very nice they were nice boys the Indian frats I was horrified by because I was like if all if your mothers could see you <laughs> but the like traditional like fraternal order, you know the worm people the worm but the worm people frats did not uh pick up what I was putting down, so thank God for that I don't think we were picking up what they were putting down no, 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 there was there was a mutual lack of pickup. We were both opposite of pickup artists, yeah, we were put down artists, <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Apologies to our Greek fans. Yes, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you should reflect on yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, there's a moment that Willow and Xander have where they go to the vending machines and Willow gets a soda and Xander gets a little snack and they sit together and they're casually trading their soda and their snacks back and forth while they have a conversation. And I thought that was really a very touching way to sort of illustrate the closeness and familiarity of their relationship. It's really precious. Yeah. I loved that. So Xander decides to sneak into the frat house. (laughs) Planning was never his strong suit. (laughs) My son. Xander needs to just think for like a second. Just like, just sit there. Just let let the Adderall kick in. Make a plan. Just like, just just do it. He is so blinded by hurt feelings and jealousy in this episode. It's deeply annoying. So we finally make it to this mythical frat party. Cordelia <laughs> driving honestly like Spike in her Queen C car. The ladies enter the frat house. Someone says, ooh, babes. Okay, Love Island. <laughs> a hot new blobshell enters the building. Whoa, she's a babe. I just, I don't know. I've never been much of a joiner. I've never joined a lot of organizations. And I feel like this is why. This episode. The funniest thing about Melissa's wedding was there were a bunch of people that made toasts and Almost every person from Melissa's side was like, you know, she doesn't really do anything she doesn't want to do. She's always really just done what she wants. I had no idea I was so strong-willed and independent until literally everyone on my side said that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I said it in those ways. I think I said it in nice ways. But yeah, everybody was like, yeah, she just like doesn't want to do it. She won't. I mean, yeah. Sucks to suck. (laughs) Maybe do something cool. Then I'll join you. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know. I I don't think I'm missing out on much based on this episode. I don't know. Maybe I should go back to college. Do frats again as a 30-year-old. Yeah, should we, like, full-on Josie Grossie, never been kissed, except never been fratted, go back to the, the, the college <laughs> one last time, one last hurrah? Honestly, this episode reminds me of Never Been Kissed because this episode makes me deeply nauseous in places mm. and Never Been Kissed makes me deeply nauseous in places. Oh, were you... That is it because you were aware of the power dynamics of the teacher and student when you watched it the first time? No, absolutely not. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, Marco Vartan? Hmm. No, 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 no. The part where she, like, eats a pot brownie and then gets super high and dances like a dummy, that part always gave me so much anxiety. <laughs> oh my buddy the part where they like put Xander in a dress and makeup and force him to dance just any anything where people are dancing and it's humiliating makes me feel so anxious and sick I don't know humiliation seems like a real big part of this uh, fraternity life yeah and I don't like it it really makes me deeply, deeply uncomfortable and I hate watching it. Yeah, I mean like every couple of years there's a story somewhere nationally that like a pledge was killed. Yeah, didn't John Hamm like set someone on fire when he was in a fraternity? Oh god, I don't know. He did he did something where there was fire involved, allegedly. So Buffy is making her way through this frat party. She's rescued from a charging idiot by our boy Tom, who takes her aside to slow dance at this frat party where everyone is slow dancing, which, granted, I have limited lived experience with frat parties, but slow dancing was never something that was done at any that I went to. No. There was nothing slow about it. No. Xander is discovered as an interloper and taken away. Buffy heads outside and finds the other half of the bracelet, then she is given a drink that is a suspiciously different color than all of the rest of the drinks. Again, like, just so casually done. So casual. And it's interesting because, like, it's hard to tell how far they will go in this show when depicting acts of sexual violence because they dance around it in Some Assembly Required where they were like, we're going to build him a girlfriend out of Frankenstein parts. Mm -hmm. And it's never explicitly stated that it's because he needs like someone to have sex at and they never put a character in a situation where she was in danger of being assaulted except for in the pack when Mm -hmm. you're never super worried because you know Buffy can handle herself but yeah this is the first one where they've gone the farthest in escalating that tension and getting closer and closer to like just like a deeply disturbing sort of thing yeah and I think that it just is part of a larger narrative with media that sexual assault is a valid plot line or right. something that can be used and it's just it's so overdone I'm not saying that it is 100% unnecessary some of the best things I've seen are explorations of that theme but When it's used kind of cravenly and without Mm -hmm. thought, it feels really cheap. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It feels unearned. Yes. So, because we go straight from Xander being taunted and forced to dance to Buffy stumbling upstairs and then being touched inappropriately by... What's his name? Richard Anderson? (laughs) Yeah. Richard Anderson, sir. Have you no decency? So, like, it just... It's a deeply upsetting episode, and I think the upset that is portrayed is done without cause and without payoff, which is why it bugs me so much. And it just feels, uh, I hate that I keep using this word, it just feels gross. Yeah. So then we go back to the library. Giles and Willow deduce that the bracelet belongs to a person named Callie Anderson, which like Not only is this episode poorly written from a plot standpoint, but (laughs) you can't think of a different last name. David Greenwalt? David Greenerson. Come on. Lazy writing. Very. Very. (laughs) So every year a girl disappears and is presumably sacrificed in this basement. We go back to the library. Willow lets Giles and Angel know that Buffy is at the frat party and she goes off on both of them for treating Buffy poorly. And then she says, OK, I don't feel better now and we've got to help Buffy. And I've never related to her more. My girl. I love her. So then we meet Makita, pops out of the ground like a little worm. <laughs> <laughs> what were your feelings when you saw him? I just, I think that, unfortunately, the standard forever in my life for a fake worm is going to be Heidi Klum. So I found it lacking. Ouch. Devastating. <laughs> what about his little little webbed armpits? I I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't recall them. I'll go back and check, and I can make my statement then. But they did not leave an impression on me like they left upon you. But that's okay. I just, I think I was so into the swooping and I was like, oh, maybe the armpits help him glide. (laughs) You were trying to understand his evolutionary benefit for having those uh, armpits? Yeah, I wanted to understand his physiology. His morphology. Does he hibernate for a year? Is that why he only needs to eat once? Are there there (laughs) other smaller sacrifices in the middle? Yeah. I mean, like, snakes famously don't need to eat very often, so... Once a year is is pushing it, but snakes often eat only like once a month or so. Would you kiss a snake? Yeah, I'd kiss a snake. Ugh. It depends. Like some snakes, they'll they'll give you like salmonella if you kiss them. Oh, really? If it was safe, if it was a protected kiss, I'd give it a give it a respectful kiss. If you had like a dental dam between you and the reptile skin, yeah, scales. Excuse me. Wow. Okay. Practice safe kissing, y'all. <laughs> Aditi is looking at me with such disbelief. I I think I would like to think that my taste has grown, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <My appetite. laughs> I, can't, I can't even get it out. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna be honest. I didn't find him as impressive as you, but that's also because I'm not as open minded as you, or open mouth. Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't give a snake an open mouth kiss. Let's just be clear. These are all respectful <laughs> forehead kisses that I'm giving to these various creatures. Yeah, no, our our kisses are are all like they have the energy of a an elderly spinster aunt. Yes, to her favorite niece or nephew. Yes, come give Auntie a kiss, worm. Or let me kiss you as Auntie. <laughs> Stop struggling, nephew worm. <laughs> the worm has turned. <laughs> So Giles, Willow, Angel, and Xander meet up outside the frat house. Xander has a robe. That's nice. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, the robes are so stupid. (laughs) All that blood money, and you couldn't afford something a little nicer. You got brown robes that look very (laughs) scratchy. Yeah. Rope. Yeah. End of list. Yeah. They bust in. They beat up the frat guys. I guess we're supposed to think it's very satisfying that they finally get punched a lot. I did not really care. I did not feel the payoff. Buffy breaks her chains and starts punching everybody. That's more of a payoff. That part was nice. Yeah. I did really like the nice moment at the end where Cordelia says, you saved us, and she immediately falls into Angel's arms (laughs) (laughs) and says, I just... I hate you guys. Yeah. That was so funny. She's so funny. She's delightful. She's hot, mean, and a little racist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Speaking of Lil, (laughs) we go to the bronze and we see her with Jonathan this time. Your boy. With Doyle. So since I didn't do facts about him last episode, I have some facts about Jonathan, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Doyle, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. his Parentally given name, Danny Strong. (laughs) He is actually a very successful little guy. Yeah. He has won two Emmys, a Golden Globe, two WGA Awards, a PGA Award, and the Peabody Award. He has also won the NAACP Image Award for co creating the TV show Empire. Yes. He originally auditioned for the role of Xander. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot see it. No. To me, he is successful writer, Danny Strong, and Doyle. And now Jonathan. And now Donna. He is also a very accomplished writer. He wrote Dope Sick, The Hunger Games, Empire, and he's also a recurring character in Billions. Oh! Most importantly, most important Jonathan, aka Doyle, fact, is that he is five feet two inches tall. A true little guy. Just the littlest guy Oh, it would be so easy to give him a respectful kiss on the head. He is my height. Me, Danny Strong, Gaga, <laughs> five foot two. What a what a just murderous row of talent. Mm-hmm. Good things come in small packages. And threes. And threes. <laughs> I enjoyed that there was the little follow-up about how all of the frat guys and their legacy parents were losing money now, and how Xander was bad mouthing Angel right in front of them and says, "Hey man, how you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're much better at comedy this this season. Yeah. And they're getting to do the bits of comedy that work best for them, you know, like Xander does the physical bits and Willa does like the wry comments. Yeah, it just it's it's um this episode notwithstanding, the the comfort that the actors seem to have with the characters is mm-hmm. is evident for sure. And then the episode ends with Angel Asking Buffy out for coffee and Buffy says, like, I don't know, maybe. We maybe did it, Joe. We maybe did it. How how do you feel? Do you want her to get coffee? I mean, I guess you do. You're impatient. I don't know if I'm impatient. I'm just experiencing the normal amount of desire to have things progress. Alright, that's fair. Uh yeah, she should. Coffee is good for you. It makes you stay awake when you want to sleep. <laughs> Do you need some coffee right now, friend? Almost always. Okay. (laughs) I had to buy beef milk for my house. I'm sorry, beef milk? Yes. Normally, I purchase a milk of a plant varietal. Ah. Because, you know, eco-warriors, you and I. Mm. But I had to purchase beef milk to make something. And I had coffee this morning with the beef milk to use it up. And I was like, this is the most fucking tasty thing I've ever had in my life. Jesus Christ, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's just dairy. It's fucking delicious i can give up <laughs> cow juice in most things but <laughs> cow juice in a bev is just like man i was like what is this like it's the same coffee i grind it the same way i make it the same way why is this so fucking good beef milk beef milk cow juice Mm-hmm. all right should we rank this episode <sighs> yeah <laughs> high stakes <laughs> Boo! It's the worst episode. Boo! Low stakes. Low. Boo! Lowest of the low. Boo! I think the worst of the season for me. Yeah. Is it the worst of the season, you think? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes! However, next episode is not only one of the best of the season, but one of the best of the entire show, I would say. Of all time! Of all time. Well, well, well. I did did take a little gander. I see it's about Halloween, so I'm excited. I love it halloween when i kiss you i want to die (laughs) that's me to makita (laughs) i guess the takeaway is uh don't go to frat parties don't kiss worms and just like stay safe out there yeah man and also dairy slaps (laughs) yeah yeah i would kiss a carton of organic whole milk would you kiss a cow? Uh, If it was a baby cow? Oh yeah, that's the other thing about would you kiss is I will almost always kiss a small version of something. I'm not very smart. Like (laughs) my ideas of cuteness are related to size. Anything diminutive, adorable. Kiss. Would kiss. Anything that is human resemblance, like a monkey and orangutan. Yeah, of of course I would kiss. If it's pleasurable to look at, I will kiss. I'm not... I'm not that nuanced or uh, noble with my ideas. I'm not either. It's not a game for it's not a game for intense introspection. It's a game for instinct. You shoot from the hip. yeah, it's yeah. yeah. well, my my instincts are simple. My mm-hmm. instincts are very simple. Your instincts are more expansive. My instinct is kiss first, ask questions later. <laughs> Do not take that out of context. <laughs> well, I think the fraternity brothers may agree with you. ouch. <laughs> in conclusion i would kiss a cow uh-huh i would kiss a baby cow i, w- I would kiss a full-grown adult cow mm. <laughs> <laughs> we turned this cow turd of an episode around we did <laughs> listeners fans please reach out to us let us know the weirdest animal you would kiss oh i would love to know that that would be really interesting. Thank you for listening to an episode that was meh, but this friendship, this podcast, I would kiss. I would kiss, yes. On that note, I'm sending everybody kisses. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake. Be sure to check out our socials at Big Mistake Pod on Twitter and Instagram to see all of the outfits discussed in each episode Slayer Name. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes. Beep us via social media or by email at bigmistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to absolutely make our day. Catch you at the bronze.